One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. This is Paige, the co host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The following is a presentation of Morning Drive Media. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Force Center Podcast Feed, and I'm your host, Ken Absog, for another edition of Spotlight Star Wars. But it's not just another edition, of course. This is episode 30. A big, nice, round number for a very special episode. Have you felt it? This is the Force Awakens Gut Reaction Podcast version of Spotlight Star Wars. I'm releasing this here on Saturday morning, per usual, but I have recorded this on Tuesday night, December 15th, after the evening, uh, after the morning, in which I saw the Force Awakens for the very first time. By the time you will have heard this podcast, I will have seen the movie at least two, possibly three more times. And I felt, though, it was important to get my first reactions, my gut reactions, to the movie, having not seen it, 
Having not really taken in anyone else's official or even unofficial reviews, I have had conversations with it, with people like Josh Tapia from Schmo's No and Screen Junkies, Christian Harloff, Mark Ellis, Tiffany Smith, Alicia Malone, and Maude Garrett. We have all spoken, and that is the only thing that will uh, potentially influence my gut reaction. Just disclosing that. Uh, to be uh, up front, but I uh, have avoided anything else. I've been on Media Blackout for the uh, last couple nights, um, leading into my viewing, which was at 10 a.m. And let's go first in, uh, driving there, because I'm sure you all experienced something similar, even though I had the privilege, and I do mean the privilege. It was, a, it was very fun and a perk of my job um, to go to the Disney Studios in Burbank, California to see the first press screening of the day. I uh, did not get to go to the premiere like some of my good friends, but I'm glad for them, and they had a great time. Uh, I, though, uh, cannot complain. Will not complain. I got to drive over there, and I literally uh, drove <laughs> all the way there. I don't live far from the Disney Studios in Burbank, but I drove all the way there screaming, Star Wars! Star Wars! Ah! Anytime I hit traffic, I'd, I'd say, Move! Star Wars! Anytime I, I was clear and, and got to punch the gas pedal, I'd scream, Star Wars! I was so excited. I got to meet Andy Signore, who's also another person I've discussed with uh, things with as well. Um, and Scott Mance. All right, the list. I'm just putting that out there for scientific reasons, so you know whose thoughts are in my brain uh, before I give you my gut reaction, my honest gut reaction. So I got to – we had a sign-in, uh, crowded, a lot of people you get to see that you know are in line, people like Aaron Pruner and Adam Halavik. I got to see them there, a Amy Rose Eisenbach. I got to sit next to her, actually. Actually, so you're, you're seeing people you know in the business, and we're all excited, and we were excited. We might be uh, in the business, or we might work around it, or we might be cynical film critics, or whatever we are, but let me tell you something. There, we were all giddy as schoolboys and schoolgirls. All right, Andy Signore and I uh, were lined together, uh, jumping around, excited, uh, joking around, taking pictures. Um, Josh Tappy, Alicia Malone, uh, they got there. They were having fun. We all, when we all sat together in a row, and and, and to be able to talk to, uh, you know, look over before the movie started, look at Adam Halavik, and and just kind of shake our fists and Star Wars. We were excited, and and. Uh, I'm looking forward to, again, at the time I'm recording this, I got some showings ahead of me, and I'm looking forward to that, experience that experiencing that with other friends who have not yet seen the movie. Every time I'm going to see it uh, on Thursday and Friday, it's with people who, who have not seen it. And I'm so excited to experience that, and I'm sure you all experience that. And that, going back to what we had talked about on the Force Center podcast before the release with Jennifer Landa and Joseph Scrimshaw, that part of the fun of the prequels that I will never, no one can take away was that was that that anticipation of sitting there and the Lucasfilm logo coming up and a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away coming up in the, the opening uh, sounds of the, of the theme, uh, theme music. And we were all built for that. And that is that delivered. And that was fun. But let's get into the gut reaction of the movie. You've all, if you're listening uh, at this point and you have not seen The Force Awakens, you do not want to be spoiled, uh, turn off. Come back later. Though I, I can't imagine you're following me and you haven't seen it at all. We're in this journey together. <sighs> Take a breath, Ken. Take a breath. Play with your... You hear that? That's a Kylo Ren sticker I have. I bought it the other day. So I bought some bag of chips or something that came with a free Star Wars decal. I, didn't, I don't even know what the food it was. I just ate it because I wanted the sticker. All right, here we go. Don't want to bury the lead. My gut reaction to the Star Wars Force Awakens is... I loved it. Not a perfect movie, but I loved it. Just... Some disappointments, but I loved it, and at this point, I'm excited to see it again. But I wanted to get my reaction and my review, and my just talking about it, um, before I got to see it again, and it might that might expose some stuff, or, or maybe it would change my opinion on uh, positive or negatively. Uh, uh, I'm going on on emotion here. So uh, I will probably talk about it again with with Joseph Scrimshaw, and I'm sure I'm going to be on other shows. Um, uh, you're going to hear me a lot the next few days and weeks talking about Star Wars uh, Force Awakens and breaking it down and analyzing it uh, ad nauseum, almost to the point of, of too much. Um, but but tonight, I'm just talking from the gut, gut reaction. I did love this movie. This was a fun two-hour adventure. This had all the elements that I wanted. This had uh, great performances. 
It was funny. I, I would say this is the potentially the funniest Star Wars. Empire previously was the, the funniest, which is a testament to how great Empire is. And that darkness that is generally considered the darkest Star Wars movie is Empire Strikes Back. It probably had the best humor, the best hum- humorous moments, the most real humorous moments. Jedi tried and was always one of the things, and in, 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 as years go by with Jedi, stuff I enjoyed as a kid, Han Solo uh, tapping through Bo's shoulder, back to back to back, that, that, that joke. It doesn't play well for me now. Um, some of the little Ewok moments that I loved as a kid that I nostalgically like now, the Icho, Mama, yeah, that guy's wise, all that kind of stuff, doesn't hold up to me as much in Jedi. This is not a slag on Jedi. I do love Return of the Jedi. But this movie had some laugh-out-loud moments, and, and, and they didn't all come in moments that you would expect comedy, and they still played well. I'm thinking of Kylo Ren's temper tantrums, and then uh, that great moment of the temper tantrum, the, the, the First Order officer standing there waiting pretty much to die, and all you hear is, is that all? Um, uh, anything else or whatever the line is? I'm, I'm going off gut reaction here, of course. Um, so this was one of the funniest movies, that, and it fast-paced, didn't feel it at all. Um, it left me wanting more, and that's what I wanted. There was no point where I was like, get, just get to where we're going. In fact, I had the other reaction, which was, as I sensed the movie was coming to an end, I was thinking, no, 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 I, I, could, I could do 20, give me a fourth act. Though, there might not have even been a third act, which gets into some of the problems. But, I loved it. And obviously, it tugs on the heartstrings of our youth and our memories. It goes for the nostalgia grab. But I'm here to say now, and maybe this will change later, but this is why I'm doing it now. I'm saying at this point, for me, the nostalgia grab was very natural, very well done, and satisfied me completely. I left emotionally satisfied. There is no greater run for the nostalgia buck than Han Solo and Chewbacca. And that story hit on all beats, except for maybe the biggest one, uh, more later, but the introduction of Solo, not surprising in the least. I think the moment I saw that ship coming and taking in the Falcon, you knew what was coming next. They tried to play it for a little suspense, but uh, um, as Mark Ellis said, he sniffed that one out early, and, uh, and I think everyone did. Um, we kind of knew it was coming again because you see enough of those trailers. You see of, of, of enough of those um, uh, you know, releases and pictures and all that. You could start piece and story together and context together. And Joseph Scrimshaw and I have had many conversations about that. And, and that, that kind of maybe ruined the Han moment, though I'm, I loved that I cried when I saw it in the trailer. Um, so I didn't have that emotional reaction in this one. So the people out there, and I know some of you, uh, went the entire like two or three years not seeing anything. I know some people have not seen any footage going into this. Um, I'm curious to see and hear their reactions. They might have got even more out of it. Because if you have some of those moments with Han and Chewie and all that kind of stuff and you didn't know it was coming in the context, um, it wasn't in your brain going into the movie. You probably got a little more out of those moments than I did. But the moments were still great. You know what the best one was for me? The introduction of the Millennium Falcon. I knew that that they were going to get off that planet with the Falcon because I'd, again, seen at least one or two or three of the trailers. But in that moment, the action's so hot and heavy, and the TIE fighter's coming in, explosions all around, and you're focused. You've got that narrow focus. You're focused on Ray and Finn, and, um, and there's that little line of, what about that ship? No, not that one. It's garbage. we got to go for this one. Oop, that one blows up. I guess it's the garbage, and you, you whip pan over, and it's the Falcon. Amazing moment. I thought it was great. Our theater popped. I didn't see it coming, and that's why I said I got so lost in the action, just following the action that I probably should have seen it coming, but I didn't, and it just was emotionally satisfying. Great stuff there. Um, Where to begin? Where to really begin? I don't know. From the start, I love the opening crawl. I actually think it's my favorite of the opening crawls so far. Luke Skywalker has vanished. It's a great way to start it. It's to the point. Uh, By the way, I don't like to take credit for opinions, and I don't wasn't 100% right. I'm not one of those Star Wars pundits who, who bashes you over the head with my opinions. But I've, I've been saying for a while, with no spoilers in my brain, that I think Luke Skywalker just went away. I think he just got tired of it all, went away, and that basically was what we got. 
He kind of messed up. Some bad things happened at the academy. He's like, screw this. I'm out. I got to go find, figure some stuff out. I've messed up. I'm going away. Sick of being the last Jedi. And hey, I'm going to for once kind of pat myself on the back. I wasn't 100% right, but I, he didn't open up the bed and breakfast like I kept thinking he would. Kidding, of course. Um, I love the opening crawl. I like the opening shots. I love, I always try to take, uh, like, all right, because the first opening shot ever is, a, is the iconic and historic uh, blockade runner flies, the Imperial Star Destroyer flies, and that's the shot that changed the world. Empires in space, Jedi, you start in space, little low, little lower drama, it's just kind of a ship coming in for a landing, but you start in space and you pan down. Um, as a child, I always thought the words in the opening crawl just flew into nothingness in space and just kept flying, you could run into them, oh youth. Um, and the prequels, that's where some of the stuff um, in Attack of the Clones and, and uh, Phantom Menace, that's where you know, it didn't hit as well for me, um, and the Phantom Menace... People were asking me, I got asked a couple times today, when did you know in Phantom Menace that you didn't like it, even though you saw it eight times in the theater? And I say, honestly, being 100% truthful, 30 seconds in. And part of it was uh, coming out of the opening crawl. All right, there's some taxation trade route things. Eh, I can live with that. Um, the shot just seemed a little little, little boring. This one didn't have it. Uh, that shot was great. Um, the opening scene, um, and you go, uh, you set Poe Dameron up as a, as a big player. He's a big player. He's a big wheel down at this Cracker Factory. And um, you start with uh, Max von Sydow's character, much anticipated uh, character, much talked about character. Is I, I think it's I think it's Boba Boba Fett. I I think Max von C Max von Sydow might be uh, Kanan Jarrus, aka Caleb Doom uh, uh, from Rebels. Um, now it turns out he's a guy named Lor Santica. Who's Lor Santica? Uh, we will find out. I'm sure there's going to be some kind of Marvel comic book or a new canon book that'll explain who uh, Lor Santica is. Am I, am I saying that right? I am saying Lor Santica. Sounds like a great drink at a Jimmy Buffett restaurant. Uh, um, but that starts off, and there was a moment of worry for me. Breaking it down moment by moment, there was a moment of worry for me where I thought, oh gosh, we're in a Star Wars film. And, 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 and it's what I talked about with, with Scrimshaw a little bit before, after the international trailer, the Japanese trailer was released. Some of the shots were too crisp. They just were too crisp. And I talked to Mark Ellis about it, too. It's his opinion. He can share on other shows, but I'll, I'll, I'll pinch from it now. Ellis said, you know, the opening stuff, he kind of thought, oh, this is like shot on a soundstage. Like, it doesn't seem lived in. And I, did, I was a, a little bit going in with that worry. The first few scenes, the shots... Um, didn't change that. However, I love the what I'm calling the World War II Saving Private Ryan shots of the stormtroopers and the ships coming down. Uh, actually, that was really good. Uh, we had seen that in the first teaser, but um, that was great. And uh, but the action started as heavy, and then and then Kylo Ren, and then the, he comes out, and, and um, his voice uh, played better for me in the trailers than it did in this movie. However, I didn't care about that because. Poe Dameron kind of made the little joke about it, like it's hard to hear with that mask on. And clearly, Poe knows who this guy is and has probably talked to him in his youth uh, without the mask on. And I like that dig. And once you kind of got that out, once Dameron's co commenting on something we as the audience are, are probably immediately feeling, then I'm fine with it. And actually, I thought the mask and the voice uh, was okay and it played out fine. Um, more on Kylo Ren later. <laughs> There's uh, bear long too. If you're listening, this is me really, uh, not even jotting notes down, just trying to give you guys my honest reaction as I work through this, um, with you guys. Um, uh, but then we're off and running. And once we got to uh, Daisy Ridley, Ray, and, 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 uh, the Finn stuff, uh, Boyega's character too, um, I have zero problem that he turned that quickly, that basically from the first shot, that you really figure out it's him, um, he's already second-guessing what he's doing. And you know what kind of set me up for that? And some people I know were like, ah, he, he turned too soon. Like, he, he was already like, ah, I'm sick of this. But he, I, I don't agree with that. And the reason I, I, I say that is, is just finishing Lost Stars, it sets that up for you. Again, you shouldn't have to read all these books to go into this movie and experience it, uh, the same as someone like me who has, but... Lost Stars really set up the tone for, hey, these guys behind the, the Stormtrooper masks or on the Rebellion or in this case the Resistance, a lot of them are just guys. And, and Finn uh, being taken up as a child, 
from a family he doesn't know. Wink, wink. Who knows what that is? Um, and and uh, doubting what he's doing and, and, and seeing a friend, maybe a friend die and put his bloody hand on his helmet and and not wanting to kill the villager, villagers, like, I'm there. I don't need any more than that. I can, I can guess that. And Lost Stars kind of set that up with treating the Imperials as kind of humans that we didn't get to really deal with in previous uh, Star Wars uh, material, movies or otherwise. Um, but once we got to Daisy Ridley, I got to tell you, um, Ray, but Daisy Ridley herself, uh, my, possibly my favorite thing in this movie, uh, other than Han Solo, or, or Harrison Ford giving it one last go as Han Solo, I should say. I thought everything was pitch perfect in Ridley's performance. There may have been story questions later on in the movie that a lot of people are asking about how can someone with no training suddenly kick the ass of uh, Kylo Ren. Uh, but more later on that, and I have an opinion on that. Um, but I thought Daisy Ridley came out of this um, as a superstar. Uh, Boyega was great and had fun, and uh, I really liked their interplay. Um, I liked, uh, look, there, there was a message sent. There was a total message sent that Ridley is truly a, a strong female character, that Ridley can handle herself, and uh, Ray, the character of Ray, I, I refer to it, constantly refer to it as Daisy Ridley, I apologize, but, but Ridley deserves a lot of credit. Plucked from obscurity and put into this role with a lot of pressure on and delivered. It's delivered to, to me on levels I, I can't even comprehend. I think she was uh, amazing and maybe... Um, Maybe perhaps the best uh, acting performance yet in a Star Wars uh, film. Though I tell you right now, Oscar Isaac is great too, and Oscar Isaac did what he was supposed to do. Underused at times in this film, for sure. I'm hearing a lot, a lot from people I know, um, but at the same time, uh, he's not the lead, and, and Ridley's the lead. The character of Ray is great. Some wonderful moments, and like I said, I believe wholeheartedly and accept and support this message. Um, that this is a strong female character leading this story. And my favorite moment was the Han Solo moment, hand, handing her a blaster, and she's saying, I can take care of myself. And he says, I know. That's why I'm giving it to you. Uh, great moment. Great moment. And I think that's, uh, I'd love to hear uh, more people's thoughts on that and, and their reactions to it. But Daisy really superstar. Great. Great. And uh, was funny at times, but carried the emotions. Um, Boyega funnier constantly uh, kind of chipping and john and and having fun and and, and he he's great um uh he got strong when he needed to but he kind of was always uh quick with a wisecrack and and that's good um uh, but uh to me once you hit that point um when when boyega and ridley uh, ray and finn meet up uh the story took off for me and it was uh, i was in uh, very much in, and, and the, the, the Millennium Falcon moment, again, going back to that, was perhaps my favorite reaction in the movie. Um, I fell for it completely. They did such a great job of setting that up. Um, so you're there, you got, you're flying around, uh, you're in the galaxy, you meet Han Solo. Uh, the only thing, my least favorite scene in the movie, gosh, I'm jumping around, bear with me, folks. My least favorite scene in the movie uh, was the Han had those uh, the uh, rat packers, whatever that, whatever those monsters were, uh, rat rat tackers or blood blasters? I don't know what they were. They came out. Uh, they're not good. Let's just call it what it is. Not good. Uh, very um, Men in Black two ish. Uh, the CGI not good on it. I just. Um, it didn't. It didn't play for me. That whole scene uh, once the two opposing forces show up. Uh, I was in it. There was some comedy up top, some fun moments, um, but I just uh, that, that 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 was not my favorite moment. I was out of the movie for a little bit with those creatures. Uh, but then we're back on, and they didn't go back to that style, uh, and we're good. We're good to go. The other moment that I was almost out of the movie, but thank God it was not, was the moment of uh, <laughs> of the first reveal of Supreme Leader Snoke. Which I believe at this point is is Plagueis. If it's not Plagueis, it's a close replica that they're just calling a little wink, wink, nudge, nudge to. Um, design is not what we have learned uh, or accepted what Plagueis is uh, so far, and what is this still uh, non uh, non canon. Plagueis is canon, but his design could be up in the air. I think. Um, 
Uh, someone f- can fact check me on that, but even the figure we have of the Black Series uh, is not exactly canon. Lucas himself kind of uh, had talked to James Lucino and said, "Hey, you know, make him, uh, make him kind of an alien, like immune. Make make him the banking clan." Um, uh, I still don't think that is official, but someone check me on that. But 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 Snoke comes up, and I'm telling you, when the first when it was the giant size Snoke sitting there, and clearly Ren and General Hux are tiny, and they're looking up at this monster sized uh, villain. If it had stayed that way, if it had stayed that way, it didn't. It was a hologram. But if it stayed that way, I would be telling you I did not like this movie. It was that big of a jarring, potentially jarring moment for me. There's not a part of me that believed that there was some kind of giant secret Sith or whatever he is uh, character that had just been tooling around the galaxy hiding like that. That, that just not. I would have been out. But the flicker of the hologram, the hologram goes away, and literally me, me and, and JT sit next to me, we're, we kind of both went, because <sighs> that would have, I don't know if I could have recovered from that. I'm being honest. Gut reaction time. Let's get into Kylo Ren, all right? Let's get into Kylo Ren, Adam Driver, Kylo Ren. I think, as I record this, we'll see what the next few days are like. By the time this comes out, the, the reviews will have been in. But I think that Kylo Ren, Adam Driver, is going to get the most heat. I think this is going to be perhaps the biggest disappointment of the movie other than the plot itself, which the main plot that drives this whole movie um, is kind of, well, I guess the main plot is the search for Skywalker, the main emotional plot. How about we say that? The main emotional plot is Luke Skywalker's vanished. We're trying to find him. Fair enough. But this second-tier plot of the First Order seeking out the resist- Resistance, and they're doing it on what we now can simply say is a super-sized Death Star, now in planet form. Uh, and that the Resistance had to destroy it. They had to find a way to destroy it. And they had to go down a trench to destroy it with their X-Wings. Um, which, by the way, did anyone else see some Y-Wings? Didn't think so. Team Y-Wings still representing, even though it wasn't represented in this movie, unless I was mistaken. My fourth and fifth viewings will be a vehicle check. The plot was uh, the biggest problem. It was just a new hope. There's no way of getting around it. Beat by beat, start on a desert planet, wayward kid, droid with a secret plan, planet blows up, we gotta go, oh, we gotta go destroy this planet-blowing base uh, before it gets us. Uh, we're in a command center. We even got 3PO sitting next to Leia watching it happen and hoping that this, they destroy it before it destroys them. Beat by beat, new hope. And that is my biggest problem as I stand right now with the movie. I think, though, Kylo Ren, Adam Driver, is going to get the most individual heat in this movie. And I'm telling you right now, I think it's unjustified to a point. I'm very invested in Kylo Ren because I'm looking around my new room now and there's a lot of Kylo Ren merchandise already. Uh, Much like Darth Maul, I fell for it. Uh, I love Kylo Ren. I love the design. I love the lightsaber. Heard the voice in the trailer. Didn't like it at first, but accepted it. I'm all on board for Ren. Ren was not the invincible, menacing, badass villain all the way through this movie. Might have started out that way and did some cool things. Some new kind of variations on force powers. But very soon, uh, Kylo Ren became a conflicted, somewhat sniveling, emo guy. I'm hearing that already. and Many of you out there probably have that opinion. But I'd like you to pump your brakes on that a little bit. And again, this is my gut reaction. Who knows, by the fourth time I've seen this, it might have been, I might be sick of Ren too and I'm burn my toys or sell them on eBay for two bucks. But I think it's safe to say that what I've said before of our own expectations and the problem with new and all those cute little bumper sticker phrases I've said on the previous 29 episodes of Spotlight Star Wars, I got to tell you, um, that can probably uh, affect us here. We had expectations of Ren just on the design, just on the pictures, just on what we saw just on what we wanted. We had all built him up. Instead, you get what is the truth of this character. He is conflicted, the son of Han Solo and Princess Leia. Possibly, it's inferred pretty strongly that he's the one that kind of messed up Luke's uh, vision of teaching a new uh, line of Jedis. 
Um, he is conflicted. There is good in him, but he comes off as kind of a sniveling emo kid. Well, guess what? That kind of runs in the Skywalker family now, doesn't it? Your Uncle Luke wanted to go to Tashi Station to pick up some power converters. Your Grandpa, Annie, he was a little whiny at times. He, uh, he murdered all those women and children, and he liked sand. So, again, choices. It filters down, and I am okay. I'll say this right now. I am okay that Kylo Ren is somewhat of a poser. He's trying to be something he's not fully yet. He's trying to be. This idea that Kylo Ren uh, going in, a lot of people believe, well, he's, he, he's building his own lightsaber. He's trying to be like the Sith. He's a Sith relic collector. He clearly went out and got the burnt helmet of his grandfather, Vader, or Vader at the time. We weren't confirmed it was his, you know, Han's son, uh, Han and Leia's kid. Um, I think all that stuff still holds true. Just because Kylo Ren is now a Solo and a Skywalker doesn't change the fact that he probably was a bit of a Sith-obsessed. Something clicked, something went wrong, and he wasn't happy. He was too conflicted. Maybe he was so powerful uh, he couldn't carry the burden. And then something bad happened at the Academy. Who knows? Maybe it wasn't him that turned. Maybe someone else did, and he couldn't save some people. Who knows? There's going to be more coming out about Ren, of course. So I didn't have a problem that Ren was conflicted, a little sniveling, a little bit of daddy issues, a little bit of mama, mama issues. I'm okay with all that. Did we need Ren to be from point A to point B, Vader from A New Hope? No. Then literally it would have been just a remake. That was perhaps the biggest change, saying that the plot's like New Hope like it is, and it is. The biggest change was our baddie wasn't always a uh, baddie throughout the movie. He had some problems. And I also think that contributed to what I, I, I see other people are, are having problems with, and that is uh, Ray going from not even believing or 100% knowing that the Jedi are real and the Force is real to suddenly knowing her Force powers, knowing how to use them, knowing how to use mind control, and then knowing how to fight with a lightsaber. Now, it was established early on that Ray knows how to fight. So you can't overlook that. Um, but she beats Ren. A lot of people uh, have problems with that. Um, though, to be fair, there wasn't a three count. Ren could have uh, kicked out and uh, come back. We don't know. The planet split in two right in front of them, conveniently. Uh, I, I don't have a problem with Ray. I get the arguments. I get it. I have probably more problem with Ray knowing that she can use her force powers to uh, manipulate a stormtrooper. Like to me, um, to to me that was the all right. You, all right, you know about the force. Oh, I might have some force powers. I used it with Kylo. I fought back. I'm in his mind. All right, I can use my mind. Oh, you know what I can do? I can say the words and make a stormtrooper. If I concentrate enough, I can make him free me and drop his gun. Uh, now, if she had said, oh, I've been reading Jedi uh, texts, or, uh, oh, I'm familiar with them. I've studied some of their books down at the bookstore in my village. Um, I had a bigger problem with that. I didn't have a problem with her defeating Ren. It was established that she knows how to fight. You know, put a lightsaber in her hand. Hey, even Boyega, Finn, gets a lightsaber in his hand, and he kind of figures out what to do with it. All right, good to go. I don't think he's got the Force. There's nothing in this movie that made me think Finn is a Force user, by the way. Maybe I'm wrong, but... Um, maybe a third and fourth, fifth viewing will change that, but I think he's just a, just a dude. He was plucked from his family, made a sanitation stormtrooper. Um, but Ray, she's got the power, man. I believe that is Luke Skywalker's daughter. All right? Uh, it's definitely, again, not confirmed. It's inferred at least uh, to a little bit. But I'm going with the notion that that's Luke's daughter. All right? It, it, to me, it's got to. just makes sense. Um... The 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 uh, connection Ridley has that kind of young Leia and uh, Padme Amidala vibe to it. It just kind of makes sense there'd be some bloodlines there, and that she could fight back against her cousin there, Ren, if that's true. But regardless, Daisy's got some power. Ray's got power. 
Um, Kylo Ren's got power, but he doesn't quite know what to do with it. Even Snoke himself says, we got to complete his training. Now, I think that's meaning and something else, something bigger and deeper. But clearly, Kylo Ren is not yet a fully cooked Sith dinner or whatever he is. No real mention of the Sith, of course, that they're Sith. I believe Snoke has got to be some kind of Sith affiliation. Like I said, even if he's not Plagueis, he's certainly a nod to it in my mind. But So you go to that fight. Ray's got the power. She's kind of a chosen one, maybe. She's a little bit of Harry Potter. You, you, you were always the greatest wizard, Harry. You just gotta, you had to learn that you were. Ray's got the power. Ren's got power. But at that point, he's a mess. Killed his father. He's a mess. He's crying. His helmet's off. I, I had no problem with Ray beating Ren at that point. I have no problem with Ren not being the point A to point B bad guy. What this movie lacked to me was the clear-cut point A to point B bad guy. Oh, uh, you could say Snoke had a little bit of that, but he's still kind of this Phantom Menace. <laughs> General Hux? No. Gleason did great with his performance, uh, but he's a little bit of a tattletale for me. Uh, Maude Garrett was on the phone with me saying the same thing. He, Kind of a tattletale, kind of like a, I did this, but Ren did this, and you should totally, totally discipline him, Snoke. Um, but I'm, I'm okay with it. Hawks wasn't a strong villain, though, and and then perhaps one of the other disappointments for me was Captain Phasma looked nice. I love Gwendolyn Christie. So glad she got to do that. But what did she get to do? She barely spoke. Helmet didn't come off. She was in a few scenes. I did like that Chewie tackled her. And they infer that they're dumping her in a trash compactor. And I believe Phasma survived, for sure. And that more is to come. So I hope there's some redemption for Phasma. But that, to me, actually was a disappointment. This is supposed to be uh, a captain of the guard. And maybe we're just spoiled because we get to see Gwendolyn and Christie uh, every season on Game of Thrones just do amazing things as Brienne of Tarth. But um, I did leave this movie, uh, even in my uh, tears rolling down my face, and there were tears rolling down my face. Uh, I left going, I needed more Phasma. We all needed more Phasma. So this movie may have lacked a clear-cut villain. It was almost a faceless villain. There was no tension in the destruction of the Starkiller base. If you've seen the other movies, you kind of know that was going to happen. Now, granted, look at superhero movies. That's always been my critique of superhero movies. Um, someone's going to destroy New York. Superheroes got to stop it. Someone's going to destroy the world. Superheroes got to stop it. Um, so, hey, it's fair. That criticism, if I'm going to toss it at Marvel, DC, and superhero movies, uh, you can toss it back here at the Star Wars movies. It's pretty now well established that your bad guys are going to try to build a big base. And one of the bad guys has got some family issues. But the other ones, they just want to build big bases, destroy planets, and scare everyone into submission. I guess that's the Star Wars way. Like Lucas said, it's like a poem. Each stanza kind of rhymes with the other stanza. This one uh, definitely rhymes. It's a cover song of New Hope. It's got some great things. uh, But I do think it's a cover song of New Hope. Uh, That's the biggest biggest critique coming out of this but sounds like you're probably listening to this going oh i don't know if ken liked this movie but now guys i did i did like this movie i I love this movie there's so much to love about it there's so much that builds for and i hate to say that hey this movie had to kind of clear some exposition set up some things and eight's gonna be great but it's kind of the truth it's kind of where we're at Abram set up the ball, he put the ball on the tee, and Ryan Johnson's coming down, uh, and he's going to tee up and uh, tee it high and let it fly. I think eight's going to be great. Um, but this movie, uh, yeah, it was uh, it was beat for beat New Hope, man, and that's a problem. But Han Solo, Chewbacca, uh, that was, for me, this was so much uh, part of their story, Han's story. The death, though, the death of Han Solo, something that I think a lot of us could easily have predicted was coming. Uh, It happened, and I had no feels during the actual scene. I had no feels when Han Solo died. You knew it was coming. I mean, like, really, really, 
really knew it was coming. And the scene itself, though emotional, couldn't carry the emotional weight that I think they wanted it to because you were cramming a lot of exposition on daddy running away or daddy a kid running away, daddy not dealing with it, running away from mom, all these family issues. Um, There was all that, and um, it was all crammed into that one little scene and the one little dialogue, and and I didn't believe for one second that Ren was going to turn. I pretty much thought, he's probably going to put a lightsaber through. Oh, he did. So... Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive & June. Olive & June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. As much as I loved Han Solo in this movie, the death, um, though sad, uh, the scene itself, and there's a reason I'm saying that, the scene itself didn't carry the weight. But I did cry over Han Solo's death. Oh yes, I did cry. You know what it was got, got me next? It was Chewie. First Chewie going crazy, witnessing his friend, the person he had uh, given a life debt to, die. Chewie going crazy, uh, completing the mission, but also just going crazy, destroying stormtroopers single-handedly. And then the next beat of, of them getting on the Falcon, rescuing Ray and Finn. And I, had, I looked at it in that moment. I thought, that's, the, that's Chewie. That's the Falcon, and there's no Han there for Chewie anymore. I'm getting emotional now thinking about it. That poor Wookiee, man, those, 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 those guys 
going around the galaxy together, and he's got to go on because Wookiees live longer, number one. But two, he just witnessed his death. Now he's back in their home, and he doesn't have his best friend there. And then the movie kind of ends, and they go back, and they're celebrating, or it's winding to a close, and then you had the emotional moment, Ray hugging Leia, but even that was like, well, how does she know, Ray? What's All right, I can accept that. Leia seems stoic, um, but you know what? Uh, that's a kind of a character trait because Alderaan blows up and Leia was pretty stoic there. And though the comics did try to address that, the Marvel Leia series tried to address her being stoic in the face of her entire planet being destroyed. Um, but uh, that's a character trait then. Paul McCartney and the day John Lennon was shot went back into the studio to record a song that he'd been working on the day before because that's how Paul dealt with tragedy. Maybe that's how Leia... That's right. I just made a Beatles real-life to Han Leia uh, comparison. I did that. But maybe that's what Leia, uh, maybe that's that character choice. She's going to bury herself in her work. Uh, but Chewie was standing there kind of celebrating a little bit, and I thought, oh, that's a little weird. I would expect you. Oh, but there you go. The next shot is Chewie in the Falcon. Uh, I believe it was in the Falcon, if memory serves. But Chewie's sitting there, head down, and it was a very... It was a very new Hopey shot. It was like an old, it was old Chewy, but it was uh, harking back to New Hope for me when you kind of first see Chewy, just the mask, the way the hair sat. And um, that's when I I lost it. That's when I had to kind of hide my tears and, and swallow the giant uh, lump in my throat, uh, lest anyone else who was crying see me cry. Um, that was the moment for me uh, that got me. So Han's death did affect me. I want to make that clear. Han Solo's death did affect me. Just the scene itself didn't carry the impact. And I don't know how they could have done it better. Um, I don't know. I'm open to your suggestions. Uh, Like I've said before, I'm not a creator of this. They are. And I trust Lawrence Kasdan to do, uh, do it right. And I think they did. But to watch Harrison go through this movie and really put in his all, that was Han Solo up there, man. That wasn't a retread. That was not a retread. That was Han Solo. That was the Han we we became obsessed with in New Hope, became worried about and invested in an empire and wanted to see do great things in Jedi. And this was definitely a better Han than Jedi. Harrison uh, clearly slept walk through Jedi. Wanted to go, didn't want to be there. Fine, I'll do it. Um, a lot of the, again, a lot of the humor was forced in Jedi. Uh, a lot of it on Harrison just kind of, all right, I'll be Han Solo. That was not the case here, man. Harrison Ford came to play. He came to play. He came to give this character a proper Viking funeral, man. To send him off in the right way. And that's what I got uh, out of the Comic-Con panel this past year when Harrison got emotional himself. Uh, That all but confirmed it for me there that Han was going. Uh, To hear him talking about Larry Kasdan's script and kind of wrapping this all up the right way. Oops, he kind of spoiled it. Uh, no one was surprised by his death. I, I can't think that you would be, but um, it did affect me, man. And, and, and part of the reason it affected me, even though the scene itself wasn't my favorite, but part of, uh, part of it affected me because that was Han, man. That was Han and Chewie through the movie. That was maybe even, hear me out here, man. That was maybe even the best Han and Chewie. Uh, moments of 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 the trilogy. I sac- sacrilegious, I know. There's some great stuff in New Hope, great stuff in Empire, man. The Jedi stuff is all right, uh, but this one, man, all through the movie, it never got old for me. It never got old for me, even towards the end. Chewie gurgles, and Han says, "Oh, you're cold." <laughs> even towards the end, man, I, I could have gone on with that, man. Han Solo will always be my favorite Star Wars character. Did I want to ball my eyes out at the moment of his death? Possibly. I didn't get that, but I, I did did cry afterwards. And then that's uh, that tells me that it, it did do its job. It did do its job. And uh, I can't wait to watch the movie again just to see, even with a little bit more, uh, having a chance to just watch it with a little more detailed eye, to watch Harrison go through it one last time, man, and, and Chewbacca. Um, uh, Peter Mayhew and his double uh, to uh, a, a great job, man. Great job. Let's wrap it up, though, here at the end. Uh, I'm rambling and, and, and bumbling through this, and I want to thank you all for uh, for hanging out through, through this with me uh, as uh, I just kind of give you my honest reaction to the biggest mo- movie of our time, uh, which is unfair to say for Team JJ. 
but uh, it ends like I think I accidentally predicted a few times, like a lot of people, not just me, but a lot of people kind of accidentally predicted a few times. What if Luke Skywalker's only in the last shot? Well, Luke Skywalker was only in the last shot. And I loved that. I loved it. I said it before I saw this movie. I'll say it now and I'll say it again. I loved it. It's a bit risky. It's a bit risky to say, hey, Mark, you want to do Luke again? Yeah, the last scene. we got to kind of lie to people for a long time. There's a little bit of mystery of you. There's a reason we're not showing you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, <clears throat> you're only going to be in it uh, for the end. And I love that. It's a great moment. I had tears in my eyes. I had tears in my eyes. Uh, as Daisy Ridley uh, lands the ship and climbs, and I loved it. I thought that was beautiful, that she had to climb up. The anticipation built, man. And Luke stared out, slow turn, pull back the cow, the beard, the hair. Emotions in his face, emotions in Daisy, Ridley face, or Daisy Ridley's face. And she hands his... His lightsaber, lightsaber, lightsaber over, man. That, that that was his father's. That was his original one. I'm sure he's still got the green one somewhere, but that was the one that started it all, man. And I loved that moment. And though there were times that I thought to myself, oh, what if Luke pops up suddenly? Uh, and they sell it early. Oh, here's R2. R2 hasn't been himself. He's just kind of been sitting here as a hunk, hunk of junk in the corner, uh, low power mode. He's like a PS4 going into rest mode. Um, and I thought, all right, so at some point, R2's going to come to life. Oh, R2's come to life. And uh, there was a moment I thought, okay, R2's come to life. Luke's going to pop in and go, I'm with you too. And we're going to have a Jedi rehash. Nope, nope, they didn't. They carried it out. R2's got the map. It's like a little puzzle piece. All right, we found Luke. Ray, you go do it. Um, I I like that, man. It sets up episode eight. Unfortunately, this movie had a lot of setting up to do some exposition to get out and some setting up to do but i am i am sure that episode eight is going to take us to places we haven't been before now if i'm wrong and episode eight starts on on hoth and there's some first order walkers and uh and a yoda's son is around all right then we got some problems now, speaking of yoda side note maz Kanata. i did enjoy that i'll talk more on that later when joseph scrimshaw and i and others break down Force Awakens, but I like Maz Kanata, um, and it didn't, uh, it didn't, uh, Maz, it didn't look the greatest to me, uh, the, the CGI, but I was fine with it, an intriguing character that I think was kind of wasted, it ended too fast, you've got all these, how do you have Luke's lightsaber, and how do you know it's Luke's lightsaber, and how do you know, and you, you don't know the Force, but you know the Force, I would, there's got to be more with Maz Kanata, I want, I want to see more of that. Uh, but jumping again back to the end, I just uh, popped my head. I, d- I wanted to talk about Maz. But um, uh, the end, man, I'm good with it. I'm good with it. I loved it. And I did love this movie. Perfect? No. Not at all. A retread in a lot of ways of New Hope? Absolutely. Problems with the villains? Absolutely. But that was a fun ride. That was a fun ride, and there was no point that I was pulled so completely out of the story like I was before with the prequels. And even though I've come around to uh, stick up for the prequels at time to time or understand their presence in the Star Wars world a little bit more than I used to, uh, you cannot deny that the prequels, as you're watching them for the first time, uh, especially if you were there in 99, 02, and 05, watching them in the theater, watching them play out, there was... Too many moments where you just realized, ah, this is definitely not hitting all the marks. Force Awakens had some of those moments, but they weren't they weren't that bad, and they didn't linger long, other than the plot. But it it hit its marks, man. It did its job, and it has reopened the Star Wars universe. And it's done it in a grand fashion. There's so much pressure and expectation on this movie. So much things going into it. This could have been so wrong. And remember that, because in the next 
uh, few days. Some of you are listening to this over the weekend. In the next few days, you're going to hear a lot of people opening up their microphones and opening up their cameras and, and talking into their computers. Uh, I am one of them, but you're going to hear a lot of us fans and professionals alike and your friends at the water cool and your friends at lunch, and they're going to start tearing this movie apart, and they're going to start tearing into little tiny things just like I have here, but they're going to do it more, and they're going to do it, and there's going to people be people out there who are going to say this movie was bad. There's going to be people out there who are going to say it sucked. There's going to be those people, and they're all have the right to their opinion. God bless America, but I'm here to tell you right now with the pressures and expect expectations on this movie and the pressures and expectations on J.J. Abrams and Kathleen Kennedy and Michael Arndt who started the script and Lawrence Kasdan who picked it up and the actors and the performers and, and the crews and the visual effects people and everyone making this movie, there's a mount of pressure on it uh, unparalleled, perhaps not since The Phantom Menace has it been this much for a movie, the expectations, a world waited to watch and I am here to say that they did deliver. They did deliver. The Force Awakens delivered. We can tear it down, and we will. That's why I have a career, because people like to tear down these movies and dig in and crawl around. There's a lot to crawl around. There's a lot more stories to spring up from this, and uh, I think we're going to get a great series of books. Clearly, we're setting up something like, oh, you, we're going to hear what happened to Luke. All right, We're going to hear what happened to Kylo Ren. We're going to hear all that kind of stuff. All right, we're going to figure it all out. But I'm here to tell you right now, The Force Awakens delivered. And that is where I stand. A gut reaction here on a Tuesday night, uh, Saturday morning, or another time for you when you're listening. Please give me your thoughts. Follow me on Twitter at Ken Napsock. Follow at Force Center Pod and hashtag Spotlight Star Wars. And the next episode will be mostly your reactions and questions to this movie. If you're a listener to my show, I want to thank you so much, so much for you guys. This last year or two as we built up to this movie has been a great ride. It's a great ride. I got on the phone with Maude Garrett tonight, and we talked about it. It was like our own private episode of Jedi Alliance. It was great. I, I was on the phone with Christian Harloff. I was in a corner today at Screen Junkies' offices with Mark Ellis, whispering and talking about the movie so we wouldn't spoil it for other people. JTE and I, Andy Signor, we, this was a great ride, and I'm so glad that you out there listening to me, going back to the start of Jedi Alliance or, or even beyond that with Schmoes, um, uh, I, I appreciate you guys letting me into your uh, your ears as a uh, a Star Wars commentator. It's been a fun ride, and I think it's only just beginning. Hashtag Spotlight Star Wars. Talk to me about this movie. Talk to me. Good, bad, questions, theories, predictions, or share the love, share the emotions. It's been a fun ride. Until next time, the Force is here. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.